Some of you have been in a battle. You've wondered why the battle has gotten more fierce, more intense. You are no longer fighting for yourself. You're fighting not just to stay saved. You're not fighting simply for victory over the flesh. You're not fighting against your addiction. You're fighting for others. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your kids. You're fighting for your neighbors. You're fighting for your city. That's why the battle has intensified. We can't afford to be casual. We can't afford to sit back. Many think the kingdom is a playground, but it's really a battleground. We need to be prayed up, praised up, fired up, and anointed up. God is matching the size of your enemy to the size of your victory. God will not promote His people until He finds the right size enemy to qualify them for promotion. For David, it was the battle of Raphim. The valley of giants. He had already killed the bear, the lion, and Goliath. Then as soon as he was anointed king, he took on a valley of giants. No sooner than David was anointed king of the Philistine army began to stir. The opposition was stirred. In 1 Chronicles 14.8 it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it. And he went out to meet them. David would not would still be a little shepherd boy if it weren't for his battles. Your friends and family cannot get you there. What? Sweat, tears, praying, fasting, being set apart. There's no place for that in today's Christianity. We have grace. Grace should empower us. Grace should strengthen us. Grace should enable us. Grace does not put me on the sideline. It evens the odds and puts me in the game. When I'm weak, He is strong on my behalf. David understood this in 1 Chronicles 14, 11. It says, as the waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. This was grace in action. Every habit you break today is broken off of generations behind you. Every battle that you fight today is battles that you're fighting for your kids, for your grandkids, for the kids of this city. You're not fighting for yourselves anymore. You're battling for your city. You're battling for a region. You're battling for your nation. You wrestle for the future. Yes, the battle has intensified, but we will get in the fray. We will not be defeated. We are more than conquerors. We will prevail if we don't give up. I don't just want to make it. I want to know Him. I want to be empowered by Him. I want Him to know me. I want Him to have my heart. I want. I know that this is going to cost me everything to be His disciple. Going against the tide is difficult. We want it now. We're not interested in tarrying or persevering or staying the course. It's now or nothing for us. But I want you to think just for a minute back to the Iraq war in March 20th of 2003. We stood on shock and awe. We watched our country go over there and disseminate a country. And then our president, whom I loved at the time, I want you to know that. He got on the ship and he said, mission accomplished. We thought it was all over. But the enemy began to come up out of all kinds of holes and crevices. The enemy, just like in the spiritual realm, when we begin to make an attack, 
He calls out of his hole. He comes out of nowhere. He gathers people from other countries, other regions, and he says, get over here. They're doing battle over here. That's what's happening right now for Springville. I want you to know that. They're calling up reinforcements from L.A. They're calling up reinforcements from San Francisco. But you know what? It doesn't matter because you know what? He has made us more than conquerors. Tonight, I want you to understand that the battle that you're in, the battle it has intensified. I understand that. I know that some of you feel as though at times, man, it's just hard for me even to get out of bed. But I want you to know tonight, I want you to know tonight that God will give strength. God gives strength to the weak. That's where His grace comes in. When we're weak, He makes us strong. That's what God's going to do for us. Eight years, eight months, three weeks, and four days is how long it took for us in Iraq. We thought it was all done in 2003, and then in 2004, the Battle of Fallujah would take many of our young men. It's a picture today, a spiritual picture of what the enemy does when we rise up for God. We need to get rid of things, character defects. We can't go around this mountain again and again. It's time now to overthrow it now. David burned the idols left behind by the Philistines. In 1 Chronicles, where I started there, chapter 14, verse 12, it says, The Philistines abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them. They weren't something that even bothered David. These weren't something that were going to, these, these idols weren't something that was going to entice him in. But he said, burn them. Get rid of them. He took Deuteronomy 7.25. It says, the images of their gods, you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver or the gold on them. And do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is a detestable thing before the Lord your God. That word ensnared means to lay bait or lure. Transformation is not without cost. Being a disciple of Christ is going to cost you everything. David understood the presence of God was the key to victory. Without the Lord, he would not win the battle. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God wants to show Himself strong on your behalf. He's looking for opportunity. That giant that you are facing is fashioned for you. It is fashioned for your promotion in the spiritual kingdom. No matter how big it looks right now. You know what? You may be saying to yourself, you don't understand the addiction that I'm in, Greg. You don't understand how I have been wrapped up in it. I will tell you right now that that addiction, when it is broken off of you, it will make you a better Christian. It will make you a better warrior for Christ. In 2 Chronicles 8, 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The King James Version says it like this, and I just like this because of the way it says it. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are perfect towards Him. This was King Asa. 
You have, he was telling him there, he says, right after this, he says, you have acted foolishly. You have allowed what men think to, to shape you. You have allowed what men are doing around you. You have acted foolishly. God wants. God is looking. His eyes are going, ranging to and fro about the earth right now, looking for men, looking for women who will stand up and say, I want to be counted as worthy to bear the cross of Jesus Christ. If it costs me my life, I am willing that's what he's looking for today. I want a church where sinners weep, where backsliders are so miserable that they must run to the altar or run out the door. I don't want to entertain people. I want power. I want the anointing. I want the unction. I want the glory. I want the presence of God to come in. That's why I seek after him. I don't come before you on Tuesday night to entertain you. I come on Tuesday night because I want the power of God to transform your life. I want it to transform my life. I want to be more and more like Him every single day. Because this generation of Christians is guilty of the sin of mixture. We have been shutting out the actual presence of Christ because we no longer want to be separated people. We want to mix what the world has to offer. We want, we don't want to be different like Jesus had, has set us to do. The word mixture means to combine or to blend into a mass that's, that individual characteristics are gone. It is the intermingling of two elements, causing them to lose their separate uniqueness and take on a new singular character. Hmm. When we mix the things of the world with our Christian walk, we no longer are Christian. When we mix with the world, we become the world. You say, well, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not, what I mean. That's not what I've been told on Sunday. I was told if you just tithe, if you come to church, and you're faithful to that, then that's all that it takes. Moses knew there was something different. God's people wanted to blend and intermingle. As soon as they lost their unique, different, special character... The godly character that he had given them, all of a sudden, they became vulnerable to the enemy. From the beginning, God chose to reveal his presence only through a special, separated people. He chose to reveal himself through Israel. If they would avoid the sin of mixture. He was so... God was so uh, defined about this. In Leviticus 19.19, he says, Don't even mingle the fabric... Guys, I want you tonight to understand how God views sin. I am not condemning you tonight. If the convicting power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then I want that. But what I want you to understand tonight is that God has called us to be separate. He has not called us to look, act, and be as close as we can to what the world is doing. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. We say, well, great, that's the Old Testament. Well, then 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. 
Moses knew there was only thing that, one thing that made him special. Only one thing that made him different. It was not because they were themselves worthy or holy. It was the presence of God revealed in their midst. They alone had the actual presence of the Almighty God. The presence of God in their midst was special, not to themselves. In, in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, it says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send me up from this place. Leave me in this desert. That's how desperate Moses was for the presence of God. He knew that he was vulnerable outside of that. He knew he was nothing. It wasn't his holiness. It wasn't his worthiness to be called an Israelite. It wasn't because of that. It was because of God's presence on their life. Here is the conclusive pr proof that God's people are special and different because of the actual presence of the Lord in their midst. Take, take away His presence and there is no difference from the rest of the church. Any church or people can boast that they are spirit-filled and full gospel. But if there is no overwhelming presence of Christ at work in their midst, they are just ordinary as any other dead, dry church. We are special, different, only when Christ's presence is in full revelation among us. Are you getting the picture? It's not in and, our, and of our holiness. The Pharisees had that. It's in His presence. We steward and maintain holiness. We're set apart not to obtain, but to sustain His presence. I want you guys to get this because I, this is important because sometimes we, we talk about works. And where does works come into all this? I want you to understand tonight that it is this. It is not our holiness. The Pharisees had that. It's in His presence. But we steward holiness in our lives. So that we don't obtain, but so that we sustain the presence of God in our life. Do you guys get that tonight? I want you to comprehend that. Because that is big. Because you know what? So many times we wrestle with this whole idea of, of works. And where does works take a part in this? This is it. It is stewarding the presence of God. Matthew 5.20 says this. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. Christ obtained it all on the cross for us. He has given it to us now to steward. He's given us our bodies to steward. To walk in holiness. To be set apart, not to look like the world. There are certain things people go, well, why don't you do those things? Maybe they don't, they're, not, they're not simple. I don't want to do them because you know what? I want to be separate. Amen. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I want to be distinct and different. I am a holy priesthood. I am a holy nation. God has chosen us. God has chosen you guys right here to steward this over Springville. He has called us. He is raising us up right now. Why? Because Luann gave us a word a couple of nights ago when we were all in our leadership group. Because He trusts us. 
God wanted Israel. He, told, he warned them not to mix with the world. He told them that He would withdraw His presence if they did. They will become just like you and I are today. We are the special channel of revelation to this world. We bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. That's our job. Remember I talked about fasting. Fasting makes that connection, that conduit, greater. It expands it. That's why we fast. Because I want a greater measure. I want a greater unction of the Spirit. I want a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit to come. That's, that, 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 oh, that fasting spreads out so that, that, that conduit becomes not just like 110 over here on the wall, but it comes like 220, that amperage that can kill you. In Deuteronomy 7.2 it says, Thou shalt smite them, utterly destroy them. He's talking about the enemies of Israel. Thou shalt make no agreement with them, nor show mercy on them. Neither shall thou intermingle in marriage with them, for they will turn thee away from me. God wants you to have just the same harsh attitude about your sin and the sin around us. Joshua warned the children of Israel. He says, They shall be snares and traps unto you. The cause of widespread affliction and in your eyes until you perish off from this good land the Lord hath given you. Israel loved to mix. God's people were determined to do away with everything that made them different. They despised the reproach of being separated. They wanted kings like the rest of the world. They wanted sexual freedom, like the rest of the world. They wanted to flirt and indulge in adultery and still cover the altar with their tears. They wanted to lust. They wanted passion. They wanted immorality. They wanted pornography, fornication, and idols, just like the rest of the world. They wanted to use drugs, prescription drugs, selling drugs, popping pills. They wanted to be just like the world. And let me say this right here. And this, I heard a rumor, so I don't know where it came from. But Ron, I, you can hear this too, because this is directed at us. There's been a rumor about Ignite that goes around town. That if you come to Ignite, the pressure will be off of you. The cops will, will look the other way. I want you to know, that if tomorrow I catch you drinking and driving, you're going to jail. If tomorrow you're selling drugs at the trailer park, Ron is going to pick you up. I don't care if you go to Ignite or not. If you go over to the, if you go over to the little dispensary here that we have in, in, in the... In the, in the uh, right here in Sequoia Dawn. If you go over to the dispensary... And you pick up pills there. And you take them out and you begin to distribute them. I will tell you right now, you are not going to receive mercy. You are going to receive justice. See, some of us have gotten this idea that, you know what, we can sneak around when no one's looking. We can drink when no one's watching. We can take a pill when nobody's looking. And we can come to church and we'll be just fine. 
See, that's what the Israelites were doing. They wanted to mix all these things of the world, and then they wanted to go get on the altar and cry out their tears. And God says, I've had enough of it. Stop it. You know what? We can come into this place every week. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit hits us. We come up here and we lay our tears on the altar. And then we walk out of this place and we do exactly what we did the day before. Nothing has changed. God did not see or hear that. The blood did not cover that. Deliberate sin, the Bible says, is a high-handed sin in the Old Testament. There was no forgiveness for it. The New Testament says that if we deliberately keep on sinning, there is no forgiveness for sins. In fact, the Bible says in the next verse, we become an enemy of God. Now I want you to know tonight, those of us, just because we're suffering, doesn't mean that that's God's judgment on us. Some of us are suffering because we have been pressing into enemy's territory. We have been pressing into a place where we've never been before. But the one I'm talking about tonight is this context of the people living in a mental and spiritual torment because they're rejecting the place of God in their life. Well, you say to yourself, well, that's just the Old Testament. You've been reading me all these scriptures in the Old Testament. Well, let me read 2 Corinthians 6. Skip ahead a couple, hun. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6 it says in verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, the Lord says. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Jim, there's your answer. You know what? We like to throw around that prodigal son story. If we're walking in disobedience to God, He's saying here, the way you become a son and daughter is by not being yoked with the world. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus said this. He says, if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. I'd like to go back one, back it up one for me, hun. It's, this, is in, this is in the Isaiah. He says, And there is none that called upon my name that stirreth up themselves to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. I want, you, I, I want to take special, special attention to the couple words here because when I looked them up, again, I was astounded. <laughs> he says, And he stirreth himself up, awaken, arouse, that stirreth up himself to awaken ourselves to take hold of thee that word take hold of thee is kazak hmm to grow strong to be strong and courageous like he said to Joshua kazak God is looking for men and women who will stir themselves up arouse themselves awaken themselves Come to life. Come to, to life. Awaken. 
Arouse yourself to God and then let the God begin to stir that up within you. Let Him become, make you strong, to grow strengthened, to grow hard. We think the Old Testament law, we say, well, you know what, that's all that Old Testament stuff. Greg, you're still bringing that stuff up. Jesus said it like this. He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We think that the standard has changed. It hasn't. In fact, Jesus said it like this. You have heard it said of men of old. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. I tell you this. If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If you hate someone, if you hate your brother, you have already killed them. You've already murdered them. Understand this. In our grace-covered environment that we live in, that the standard has not changed. God is still calling us to be separate. He is calling us to be holy. He is calling us to come out from among them. Does that mean we're not friends with them? If they need a brother or sister, no. But what it means is I'm not going to yoke myself up with them. I'm not going to become like them. I am not going to entertain the things that they entertain. I'm not going to watch the things that they watch. I'm going to separate myself because I am not going to be going that direction. God wants us to see the difference between His people who love Him and the rest of the unbelieving world. He wants us to be an example of a delivered and victorious people, trusting in His mighty arm to deliver us from all harm and evil. Synonyms for the word different are distinct, set apart, sanctified, holy. Disobedient servants will not be able to stand against the devil and the moral landslide of this final age. They will once and for all lose the touch of God. And, th- and though some of them will be saved, they will be counted unworthy of the anointing. If you are of this world, you are not His. John eight twenty three says, I am not of this world. Jesus was speaking. He says, but speaking of His disciples, He says, they are not of this world. Even as I am not of this world. John 17, 16 says, Again, I have chosen you out of this world. Therefore, the world will hate you. The world loves its own. We try to cozy up. We try to get as close as we can. We try to do all the things that we can to get right up next to that edge. We want the applause of the world. But the Holy Spirit is now calling out true believers, true followers of Jesus Christ to separate themselves, to purge themselves, to to be that winnowing fork that, that takes the chaff away. Getting them prepared as a special people to bring back His glorious presence to shake the earth. That's why we're here. A people crucified to the world, ready to wrestle with principalities and powers of darkness and against all spiritual wickedness in high places. A people crucified with Christ. I will not be mixing with the world. I choose a different path. I choose to look and act differently. I will not be like this world. Why? The presence of God in my life. I will steward it. I will care for it. I will pursue Him. I will chase Him. I will go there with or without you. I want you guys to know tonight 
That I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus over my wife. I choose Jesus over my kids. I choose Jesus over everything. Unbridled passion for Christ. Unhindered devotion. Uncompromised obedience. And unconditional surrender. Come along with me. I will take you there. I will not mix. I choose to be different. Just because everybody's doing it. Just because the church says it's okay, I will not go there. Some of you, tonight, the Holy Spirit is speaking conviction upon your life right now. Because you know what? Some of you are dabbling, mixing, embracing, fondling the world. You want to be as close as you can. That song we sang during pre-service prayer, it says, I want to take His name. I want to take His name. Jesus says that we're His bride. I want to take His name. I want to be identified with Him. As I'm walking down the aisle, think about this, ladies. Think about this, men. As you're walking down the aisle, how about your husband or wife as they're walking down the aisle thinking, I'd like to be with him or her. See, that's what it means. That's what it looks like to Christ. When we pay attention to the world, He's calling us out. You can't have your cake and eat it too. We want all the benefits of being a Christian without sacrificing for Him. We want the favor without the obedience. When you truly get into the kingdom, the kingdom will get into you. The kingdom will own you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 It says, You are not your own. You are bought with a price. The kingdom of God is meant to own us. The kingdom of God is not meant to be something that we just, well, when I feel good, I go visit the, the palace. I live, I abide, I find myself every single day wanting to be in the palace with God. What's that palace look like? It is the spiritual kingdom that He is bringing to this earth. Is it going to be easy? No. I can tell you what other pastors, maybe even on TV, say, you'll come to Christ and it's all going to be a bed of roses. You're going to be wealthy. Everything's going to go for you. No, you know what? You might have to go look for bow for bread next week. I don't want it, I don't want it to be that way. I mean, I wish it wasn't, but that's, that's because of this world that we live in. It is designed, it, was, it, is, it is fashioned to be ready for the enemy. Everything he wants to do. God is calling us, guys. God is calling us. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I was telling someone this week, I said, you know, it's something as simple as this. We look at it, we go, here's a lie and here's truth. And we go, well, you know what, I, I'm not over here by the lie. But we have no problem. Here's truth going right over here and going, mm, well, I just fudged a little bit. I just embellished a little bit. 
said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God is calling us to be a holy people. Set apart for Him.
I don't want to leave tonight without asking this question tonight. If you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're in a backslidden state, maybe you just, tonight you need to run to Him. If you need to run to Him tonight, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. Tonight, if you've mixed, you've been mixing the world, and you say tonight, God, you know what? I want to be different. I want to be distinct. I want to be separated. Tonight, if that's your cry of your heart, I'm going to ask you to come forward, and we'll pray a prayer of dedication, rededication with you tonight. Father, run to me too.